everyone, welcome back to episode four of the Carlton Wrap. This will be the last episode before the Christmas break, but I'm lucky enough to be joined by a familiar face now on Blue Abroad. Her name's Kira. Welcome to the show. Give me a little bit of an introduction about yourself and your journey as a Carlton supporter. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so I have been a bagger since I was born. My mum was Carlton. My dad was Collingwood, so I'm lucky that I chose the Carlton path and I went down barracking for Carlton. Obviously, it's been a lot of sad years, but um, I love Carlton Football Club. I go every weekend. It's now my nan and I's thing. We go every weekend together. We go to a few interstate games. I just love Carlton. I love the community, especially now with all the social media channels, podcasts, YouTube channels, Instagram accounts. I feel like the Carlton community have really come together and it's actually awesome. I just love it. Well, in terms of your perspective on the club as you've grown up, uh, I mean, your favorite, what are your favourite memories, not so favourite memories, sort of like how you've become connected within the community? Yeah, so look, I'll be honest, I don't really remember much before the age of like five. Um, and then I missed, I didn't go to the 2013 final. So that breaks my heart a lot because... <laughs> <laughs> with all the pain that we've gone through I've missed probably the most successful game we've had so I missed the 2013 final but um, a memory that will always stick out is the Port game I don't even know what year it was it may have been 2016 and I think we won we just won five games in a row yeah, and then, yeah. oh it was I loved that game and then there yeah. was a function afterwards and we went to the function and I was like, I don't know how old I would have been then, but I was little, so I was like crawling between everyone's legs trying to get to the players, and that was a really good day. That was when I was like, we're going places. We're going to be good. Still waiting. Um, yeah. <laughs> another game would have been um, the St Kilda Carlton game in 2019. That was like, that was a dead robber. Like there was no, none of the teams were going anywhere, but that was just amazing, yeah. that atmosphere. One of my Collingwood friends was watching it on the TV and she sent me a message and she's like, it looks like a final. It looks amazing. I'm like, I know, what is this? But, um, yeah, that they will probably be, like, standouts for my favourite games. Um, but then the lowlights, I get really attached to coaches and it's not a good thing because I sometimes put on coloured glasses and can't see how bad they really are. And... I cried so much when we sacked Bolton because I was like, it's fine, we're just going to give him some time. I, I literally cried in the press conference. And then two weeks later, I was like, oh, my gosh, why was I crying? And then I was heartbroken when we sacked Teague because I was like, "This he will take us places. Two weeks later, I was like, what was I looking at? So probably the lowlights are all the coaches that we've sacked over the years because I get really attached to them, which is really bad. But... Um, yeah, hopefully it's up with Voss. Well, you can only hope so. Seems like it's getting better, but in terms of yeah. coaches, I'm, I'm a bit of the opposite. I'm, I like I've seen too many sports to know now, like when a coach is like decent, and I know I can't get attached anymore. Either no, it's there, or, you know, it's not. Yeah. Okay, I guess you'll see with Voss. I reckon it will be very obvious straight away come round one if there's a change. I think. A hundred percent. I think round one, I think the players should be scared for round one because I think yeah. that will tell a lot. That will Also, the fact that we had the opener taken off us, I hope that, that they're scared. Like, if they don't win yeah. or yeah. at least play a very, very decent game, then 
they'll be in a lot of strife. Or how will break loose if they don't oh, win? Yeah. We will, we've waited long enough. I think this is our yeah, time. It is. In terms of, obviously, I mentioned earlier, you've had a bit of a um, cameo on Blue Abroad recently. Just talking about like your, you know, your connection with that Blue Abroad channel, how you came about on there. Yeah, so I was following Blue Abroad for a while. I would watch their fan cams. I loved it, but I was way too scared to go on fan cams. I was like, there is no way I'm ever going on fan cams. And then uh, 2020, so last year, we're on our way home from the footy. It must have been, oh, well, maybe it wasn't. I don't know when it was. We were on our way home from the footy and I had two um, friends with me in the car and they were giving me the confidence to go on. I'm like, all right, we'll just go on in the car with my friends. Went on and it wasn't scary. Terry was so lovely. He was really good at like, you know, he keeps the conversation going if you run out of things to say. Um, and then from then I just kept going on each week and it got less scary each week and then um I just started you know messaging Terry back and forth and he's been awesome he is so good at nourishing all us young up-and-coming want-to-be media um personnels I think he's really nourishing the young Carlton Carlton fans and um yeah he's just been awesome so he's helping us all out here and there where he can and yeah so I love Bull Broad and the community and everything about it well speaking of Talk about what you want to do in the future, sort of what you're aspiring to do in the upcoming years. Yeah, so I'm hoping to do a Bachelor of Media and Communications next year. Um, I want to go into new sports presenting. Um, originally, still kind of, I Jackie Felgate was the aim to do the news um, and then the sport like segment of the news. But lately, I think I'm going more down the sport path, like, you know, Sarah Jones and all of those kind of um, people on game day when they're at the game and they're presenting and things like that. So I think I'll keep both options open, but I think at the moment I'm leaning a bit more down this full sport path. Um, but yeah, fingers crossed that that all goes to the plan. Well, it should. We keep on this track. It's looking positive at this point. So going for the best. Uh, so now on to the club back. To it. So looking at the sort of main topics of the week and hasn't been a lot to talk about obviously news has been a bit dry of late it's all pre-season draft has gone and I think now we're sort of just waiting for the AFLW to start in about a month uh men's is yeah just all pre-season but the one sort of talking point of this week was the team camp uh, obviously I think they partnered with Anaconda so that was obviously some sponsor deal uh, I don't know where they went I think sure they went Somewhere near the Grand I Yeah, it looked like that. Looked something like that, but yeah, nothing, nothing on exactly where they went. But they were there for a couple of days. Just wanted to bring up a couple uh, quotes Charlie Kernow said, and then just we'll have a discussion about sort of what that means for that team. So he said it's less about football and more talking around the campfire, getting to know each other. And another one. We've been together for a while now, this group, so it's probably going to help us even further with bonding more. Adding new players to the group and getting them involved, as well as a new coaching staff, has been good. So, firstly, do you believe this? Because I look at this and think anyone can say this. Any any player in any sporting code could go out on a camp and say this. So, do you believe what he's saying, first of all? Um, it's interesting because I want to believe it. And 
off the bat, I believe it, but you can walk the walk, but at the end of the day, you've got to, I mean, you can talk the talk, but at the end of the day, you've got to walk the walk. So I, I believe it because I have way too much faith in this footy club and I'll believe anything they tell me. But at the same time, I know how much they've hurt all of us in the past. And until they actually go out onto the footy field and prove that this camp has helped them, then I don't think it's anything other than words in an interview to make us feel good until round one. Well, I mean, in terms of actually bonding together with a group, in terms of words that are said between players and ways to bond, I mean, obviously we're at an age where we've grown up with social media our whole lives. We've been influenced by a lot of things around us. So in terms of these players coming together, do they have this different connection to a lot of other teams that have a lot more experienced players that aren't in that generational gap where they've been influenced so much? Is, is there a different bond or connection that yeah. is not seen anywhere else. It's interesting because I don't I don't know if age how much age influences a footy club. And I think obviously I've never been on the inside of a footy club, so I don't know really. I just I'll always remember when Mark Murphy had an interview after a game and he said, These boys keep me young, like they keep me young and they keep me rejuvenated. And I think that's something really exciting about a young group is that they've all got a lot of excitement within them and they they know that they've still got quite a while left of footy but then on the flip side of that they know that they're not retiring in two years so do they have that motivation to have success now or do they think they still have a few more years do you know what I mean yeah yeah I, I don't know but I think in terms of like the social media and things of that nature I don't know whether it would be a positive or negative impact because they would see so much of the negativity and every article is written about Carlton because why not? So, yeah, yeah, it's an interesting one. I'm not 100% sure. Well, I like, I think of it this way that this is a better opportunity for a leadership camp more than anything. I don't think this was necessarily to do with bonding as much because you have, they're at the footy club every day of the week pretty much. So you've got quite a lot of time for that. I think... If anything, because I honestly don't really believe what Kerno said as much because, of course, any single player would have said that, and I'm sure it did happen, but, of course, there would have been a lot more that went on. So I'm hoping what came out of it was a bit of a leadership experience for a lot of the young guys because, you know, as obviously been talking about that, you lose your older blokes in Murphy, Casbolt, you lose that experience, that leadership, I think that I'd rather them come out with better leadership skills and bonding, team bonding, because they're professionals. They like they know how to bond with each other. They don't really need a camp at the end of the day. Mm. I, I guess it's one of those things. If they win a premiership, they look back on and it's like one of those documentary things where they say, "Yeah, we were in a camp, and that's the one that changed it." But I'm just interested to what they really did on that camp. Because yeah. obviously they're going to be really selective with what they're talking about. But, well, I'll, you know, yeah, no, give your, give your thoughts. It's interesting because I was actually thinking that the camp looked very different to our previous camps. Normally, you know, we're up at Gold Coast, we're in a hotel, they're going surfing. Yeah. This was like they were intense and going for 30-kilometre hikes. So I think it did look like a different camp, like everything in the last month has looked different and we're getting excited about this different look. But... At the end of the day, if the footy doesn't look different, then it doesn't matter if the camp looked different. 
Um, but I think the about the bonding, other than the new guys, they were in a hub for nearly two yeah. years. So they, the bonding should be there. Like they should have a good connection with each other. But maybe maybe they the leadership has created the bonding because at the end of the day, you know, you've got to have strong relationships with the guys to be able to say that's not good enough. No, do this, do that. And but still be able to, you know, have a good relationship, but also hold each other accountable. So hopefully the leadership and the bonding go hand in hand and it really oomphs the group and emphasizes what we want to be about next year. Yeah, I'm I'm just very keen to see if this was a really big turning point because like like I said, like you see all those documentaries for every team. It's like, oh, we had this camp, we had this, and that made the difference. So I'm a bit interested to see if this did anything at all. At the end of the day, I think this you can forget about these sort of things. I think as a player, you are getting paid at the end of the day for what you're doing on the ground. Yeah. And and I think about it this way, it's like in general in life you're doing something example when we're at school you get told all these things before a before a test to remember all these things to do but when you're in that moment it all goes out the window yeah. you don't think about you don't think about what Voss told you at camp you don't think about that bond you created at camp you are just doing your job so that's where I get like a bit worried about the actual overall outcome of it yeah I've never thought of it like that that's a really cool way to think about it because yeah, I've never ever thought of it that way, and it's so true because when they're on their footy ground, they're not thinking about what Voss told them on day one. Yeah. So yeah, that's really interesting, and it's also interesting you mentioned about the documentaries because I was listening to Dylan friends, and they were saying that the Melbourne they reckon their year started with a surfing trip they took at the start of the year. And, there you go. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's always fun. They were like, it was the surfing trip at the start of the year. We all sat down. We held each other accountable. We were saying what we didn't like about you know each other in terms of football you know, their football self, not them as a person. And they're like, that's where it started. That kicked us off for the year. Is the camp going to kick us off for the year? Is well, this see, look, if they don't win a premiership, this camp means nothing. And that was that would have been the same with Melbourne. If they had won nothing, then this that camp would have made, meant nothing to them. So whether that actually meant, I'm sure it did. But unless you actually went in, it never is going to get mentioned. Yeah. I'm just hoping. I'm hoping so. On to the sort of next thing, and this is, you know, back to this culture change, a younger team, a younger generation. In terms of, in your perspective, what do you see as the oh, the next step in moving forward with like young, like young talent and leadership, building that culture that is sustainable? Because in the, you know, obviously past years, we've brought in players from the draft, all these, you know, Weedering, Mackays that have been brought into teams that have had no accountability in terms of leadership. So now with a young team that is pretty much all the same wavelength, they all understand each other. What is the next step in remaining sustainable for a long period of time rather than just the short term? I think personally, I think there's two main points. One is consistency. I think our consistency is just not there. And I think that's something we really need to work on because like we'll go to round one and we're like, yes, yes. Then we go to round two what is this? It's a completely different team to we saw round one. They just are so inconsistent at the moment. And the excuse has always been that we're young and that we can't run out a whole season and that we can't run out a whole game. And, you know, we're seedlings growing. Um, but 
I think consistency is a massive thing. They need to be able to switch on and switch on for the whole game and the whole season because they're the best teams are the ones that can do it the longest. It's survival of the fittest. It's a long season. 23 rounds yep. plus finals is a long time. So you've got to, to, and it's hard because you've got to start on a good, the first five rounds are very important because they set you up for the year, but then you can't burn yourself out at the start of the year because then you're stuck for the end of the year. So it's all about consistency and pacing yourself. I think that's one thing that we really need to work on and I'm really hoping Boss is able to get out of them. And the other thing is leadership. I think our leadership has just been so choppy and changey. It, we change captains every few years. We Our leadership group changes. Um, I think personally, there's been a lot of talk around, do we keep Cripper and Doc captains? Personally, I think yes. I think unless they go up to boss and say, I'm, I just want to focus on footy, give the captaincy to someone else, which it could happen, but... If they are the ones to say, I don't want to be captain next year, then I think we need to stick by them. I think we need to keep them as captains because back to my old point, consistency. I think we just need a bit more consistency. And I think Cripper and Doc do complement each other really well and they can be really good captains together. So I think unless they're the ones to say, I don't want to be captain anymore, then we've got to keep them. I think one more other thing is that some young blood in the leadership group. I think I know Stock has said that leadership isn't really on his mind at the moment, but I think people like Stock, boys like Stock need to be in the leadership group because we need some young blood to be able to bring us up so that when the next round of oldies retire, then we have them already building the same values and cause and it's just an evolving door and not stop start stop start stop start so i think consistency and leadership is key well i mean i saw what was interesting with the aplw they had i think uh, one captain and two co's if i remember or at least i know there were three yeah so it's interesting if the men's side will adopt the same tactic which is that's where that sort of youthful player comes into mind i i, I don't think they'll do it because i think it's just a bit hectic especially if you know you can't i don't think it's the best to throw it onto a young guy who at his age is probably only just going to be focusing on getting his job done but i do like the idea about soccer but i honestly think and this is in all team sport i don't like the idea of the responsibility falling on a captain when times get tough and i mean maybe that's just the junior sport thing i've seen where it gets thrown at you and if they're not doing something well everyone I, I don't think that is exactly the same in senior sport in professional sport but i think like i said with the camp you need to train every single player to be accountable rather than focusing on crips who is on the ball all the time he cannot see what's around him half the time that's where I, that's yeah i mean that's you, you gotta hope Doherty comes back i think if doc isn't playing a lot of football you pass it to weeder in because yeah. i do like the idea of another defender you never give it to a forward honestly i don't see the point in that because they only care about kicking goals rather than they I want the ball delivered to them would take that on anyway so i don't i could not see anyone in there but yeah i, I think that's the best way to move forward and actually remain accountable across the board rather than just on Crips, on Doherty. Because I think that's been their problem, especially last year I noticed those Gold Coast, those Norse games, 
even like the the Sydney game example where they could have easily won that if they wanted to. And I do remember they were only down by eleven and they gave up in that last quarter. One hundred percent. Red time kills us. Red time kills us so badly. As soon as it ticks over, we just disappear and I don't know where we go and it's really really bad because the opposition kicks like three goals in three minutes and then it's so hard to get it back from that but I agree with the whole not don't, don't put so much pressure on the captain I think I always think of the Brisbane game the first game with Teague um and we were not winning that game until Crips came out of nowhere and absolutely destroyed it and which is amazing. You need your captain to be able to stand up and do that for you. But then at the same time, I think, what if he was injured that day? How much would we have lost by if he was yep. not there? I think the boys' leadership isn't just about the title. It's about, you know, everyone pitching in. And I think a footy club is so important that all of your players are leaders because at the end of the day, you are. Um, so, yeah, I agree. Well, I mean, with that red time goal, I think, there's no problem conceding red time because in sport, the end of the day, you t- your opposition will score goals against you. It's just inevitable that you're going to get scored against. The problem was just not changing anything up to stop it happening again. Uh, you can, if it happens one quarter, you live with it, you move on, but to let it happen again is their problem. So, it's, I mean, maybe that was a coaching problem, I mm. think. There were some dumb footballers in the team at times, but also some dumb coaches at the yeah. time. So you put two and two together and it just it was never really going to work out amazingly. So that's, I mean, that's where you look towards Voss and his tacticians to move yeah. that around because leadership can't, at the end of the day, fix a team going on a good run. If you're getting, if you're getting scored against in a really decent way, it's all right. But if you're just you know, conceding because you're playing terrible, then that's worse. Yeah. I'd love to get your opinion. Do you reckon red time goals and how we just disappear in red time is mental or fitness? Um, that's interesting. be hard to say. I think it's more mental because they expect, especially when they're up by a bit, they think it's going to come to them when they know they've never had that luxury of having the game on a plate for them. I think it's, I think it's one one goal they can handle, but it's when the second one comes they collapse because, I mean, if I was a player, I'd be thinking how much time's left, how much time's left. Will the siren go? Will the siren go? And you, that's all you want to get to, and you let everything else happen. And by that point, when one or two goals come through. You, like you've got the one runner coming out telling you what to do yeah. with limited time and it it would fall I could see how that can fall apart really quickly especially mm-hmm. in those tight games and I mean well, what's what do you think what's your opinion no I agree I think um it's I think it definitely has to be mental at the end of the day they're AFL professional athletes they're getting paid to be fit like it's yeah. their job to be able to run out a game so I think it's definitely mental and I think it's just I think it's also on the flip side. Other teams just have this mental edge over us that they know we're Carlton and if they grind for long enough, then we'll crack and they'll be able to, you know, win the yeah. game over us. So I think we just need to change that way other teams perceive us and that will change the whole mind game of the actual game. And I think that starts round one. That starts in the first minute of round one and we've got to show the rest of the 
AFL that we are here and we're not going to be rolled over and stood all over this year and that this is our time to flip a new page of the Carlton history and make our supporters happy. That's, it's it's frustrating. How many times have we heard like those comments each year? It just I say the same thing every year, and I believe yeah. it, and I'll continue to believe it until it happens. But I, I'm just so pessimistic now with the club. I can't, I can't, like I can't see beyond a loss anymore. I like, I like, I did. That's what I see. I I think a win is like a luxury if it ever happens. I agree. I do I go into that way. I go into every game thinking we're going to lose because if I go in thinking we're going to win, I'll just be heartbroken every week. So I go in thinking we'll lose because if we lose, it's fine. And if we win, then it's amazing. But yeah. I still, I still every year, I'm, this year's going to be different. It's going to change. We're going to be in finals. Yes. We're going to make a push for it. So let's just hope this time it actually comes true. It's just all get down to a good start. Like I've, you rarely see teams in a lot of sport that start really well and drop off besides teams who have quite easy draws to start the season. But it's, you know, there's pretty good correlation. And you see, uh, you know, I, I, there's that stat that teams who are outside the top eight after, I think it's like round two or 0 and two, it's like, like nine or 10 of them ever made finals since. So like, yeah. it's, it's all down to that. I think they just need to be one and one. Yeah. The time around two ends. You can cop a loss to Rich. I reckon Rich a loss to Richmond is okay as long as you back it up the next week because that's what they've never been able to do. I want them to win against Richmond. I do, no, I want them to win against Richmond as well, but I think that, that that's um, the problem. They never win in round two, which never helps their case either. Yeah. That that's and that goes back to the mentality where they don't they know that mm -hmm. they've got no hope. But I can live with it as long as they back it up. Yeah. I just think because so many, everyone knows that Carlton lose to Richmond round one. So I just think if we can win round one, that'll automatically change the way people think. It'll build the belief within the boys and then hopefully they can back it up round two because we need we need two wins would be amazing. We'll all think we're winning the flag. The Kool-Aid will be going everywhere. They'll be the most loved boys in the, Australia. So I think it would be awesome because the other thing is if we do make finals, we don't want to be relying on other teams' results. We don't want to be sitting there yeah. 23 watching all of the games being like, you've got to win, you've got to lose, you've got to win. So we want them to make it in their own right and have no other team affect whether they're in finals or not. So we really need to start the year well. Well, in terms of finals, I don't want them to finish. I want to, if they're in there, they need to be like in there, like yeah. not, not Essendon sitting eighth when they get in. I hate that because, like you said, it's it usually seventh and eighth each year is just they're just finals cloggers and they go out and yeah. they're not needed. I don't want to be that because I don't think that helps anything to just go out in the first round, mm. unless it's unless you unless it's a really close season. Mm. But usually going off past years, it's never been any good, really. I've, the only thing I can remember in terms of teams finishing that low is probably Collingwood like two years ago against West Coast and you saw the next week they got pumped so it's it is interesting but I think yeah like you said I don't want them to rely on other teams I mean at the end of the day I would take it anyone would take it I'll take anything but yeah. if we had our choice we wouldn't be relying on other teams to yeah. make it yeah. to finals well on to our sort of second last segment I thought it would be 
a good idea to just review the first 10 players on the list. Well, not first 10 players, first uh, 10 numbers on the list. So 1 to 10. Mm-hmm. I just thought we'd give a little quick rundown. Uh, I want to talk, give your expectation, your big call on this player, and sort of a target for them to hit in 2022. Yeah. So obviously, number one, Jack Silvani. I love Jack. How can you not love Jack? I'm the biggest Jack supporter. I think we just needed to give him time. And I think we saw in 2020 and 2021 that apart from his injuries, he was really coming into his shell. Um, my big call is that he won't play in the forward line. He'll be a tagger. I think. Yeah, yeah. I just think of the games when he tagged players, um, especially I think when he tagged Nat Fife. That was, he was good at it. He was really good at it. He can go up forward when we need him, but I think he can he can go up the field a little bit more in 2022. So that's my big call for Jack. And what was the other one? Was there another? Just like a target for him to hit a in the season. I reckon his goal kicking, if he does stay in the forward line, he needs to work on that a little bit more. His accuracy isn't amazing. But um, just the basic ones, out the front of goal, you need to be able to get them straight through the big sticks, Jack straight through the big sticks. If you had to set a goal target for him by the end of 2022, what would you give him? I'd say your goal would be not in the forward line and to be in the mid, helping us win games, chasing the best player in the opposition team. Yeah, I I mean, I I think for him, I'm actually not sure what to expect with, uh, because he's he's, he's become very versatile and and like you said, with his goal kicking, that can get you down after a while and whether he's keen on a positional change. I think he still will stick to where he is. I think he's been good as that half forward that pushes up the ground and creates a contest in the air most of the time. He has become a very physical, demanding player. One of those, you know, grunted, really good, like, like Stocker, those blokes that will put their head over the ball. If I had to set a goal for him, I, I'd say I think he does need to get on the scoreboard more because you can't rely every... And I'm not very optimistic with Kerno that he will get through 22 games. I think now with that many injuries, the amount of blokes across the whole AFL that have big injuries and like play for a long time afterwards, it's not very high. Mm. I think 20 goals for him. I think that's very reasonable. Yeah. Someone that will hit the scoreboard once a game, mm-hmm. once or twice a game, make a bit of an impact. Uh, number two, Paddy Dow. Mm, Paddy Dow's interesting. I want him to just continue what he did this year. I think he was building something really special. I think that game where he hurt his eye or something like that, He that game was going to be good. I think he's um, coming into his shell. I think everyone needs to give him some time. I think everyone thought he was going to be a lot better than he is at the moment, but I think he will build. And I think as long as he can get consistency, once again, consistency in his game, obviously he's not going to have an amazing game every week, but he just needs to build a little bit more 1% each week. And then, you know, I think he's a very big confidence player. And I think when his confidence gets knocked a little bit, he struggles. So I think as long as he keeps building, then he'll be okay. And just aim to play in the ones every every week of 2022. I'm, I think with Paddy, if you don't get anything out of him in the first half of the season, 
you set up a trade at the end of the year. I'm sort of sick of, I mean, this is just because of the patience in now. We want, especially we when you've, you've talked up these players for a long time, you either perform or you go. Mm-hmm. I don't want him to sit in the reserves either. You find someone that will, I mean, the problem as well with a trade is that he's not going to give you a lot. No. That's the problem. And I thought, sort of, let's link this in. I'm going to skip number three because that is um, Motlop, but we don't know enough right now to have a chat. So, Lockie O'Brien, very similar. I have the exact same thoughts as him, and I think Lockie O'Brien should have got the flick this year. I don't think he offers anything to this team we don't have already. I I do sometimes feel bad because I feel like sometimes I just take all my anger out on player. Oh, I'm sorry, on Lockie O'Brien. Because I'm just, he just really irks me sometimes because I just, sometimes I just see him running. I'm like, where are you going? Like, what are you doing? Just, I think even if you've got no idea what you're doing, go to the ball, like run to the ball and just try and give something. I think I have the exact same thoughts on O'Brien. I think he really needs to show something this year. And I think this is his make or break year because if he doesn't, we can't wait around for you. We're giving you enough opportunities this is your year to either say, yes, I'm here and I'm going to give you something, going to add something to this team or thank you, next. Well, uh, uh, the only thing with him is all that the media talk about, all supporters, is his left foot. But if that is all you have, have to base off a guy and his talent, is you really shouldn't have him in the team at all. I think I did watch him at a VFL game this year and I don't know, I just don't think He's at AFL standard, or I think he's been brought in. He got brought in at the wrong time where he was integrated into a team that really was never going to help him develop well. So I think it's the same as Dow. You either perform or you get the flick. But the only thing I see with those two is I don't even see them getting a spot in the 22 as it is. Yeah. So the only good thing about that is they really would like, they have to actually, yeah, to get into it. They really have to prove themselves. Mm-hmm. I think this year, no, not last year, this year was much easier because they were losing and they didn't need to actually put out their best 22 each week. It wouldn't have mattered. But I think this year, I hope they stay fit, the whole team, because I want these two to earn it rather than giving them experience. I know you need experience, but I don't think it's BFL. Is uh, it's not the same, but it says earn it. It. yeah, 100%. I'm the biggest believer of if you are not knocking the door down for weeks, like not just one good game, you've got to be having a few good weeks in a row in the VFL if you're not already in the team. Because you know, at the end of the day, we're here to win, and to win, we've got to put out our best 22. And if you're not in it, then you've got to stay in the VFL. There is no other way to go about it if you're not absolutely knocking that door down then you know you don't have any other option and the other thing that excites me is that if they are then that also motivates the best 22 to keep working because someone's waiting there to take your spot so we really need them to you know really grind out in the vfl to challenge for the best 22 because then there's healthy competition that's what we need yeah yeah no definitely i I, i'm just hoping I hope something that Voss has told them changes something because they haven't really been talked a lot about and haven't even seen a lot of photos of them. Or they've been a bit 
on the down low. So maybe something's happening, something different. I'm not too sure. Number five, this is Chera's number because I'm looking at the old list and it's still got SPS, but this is Chera's number now. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. I th the sky's the limit for this kid. I he's gonna absolutely have a massive year, I think. Same. I think Chera, Cripps, Walsh. That midfield really excites me. I think Chera can really add something good to the team, and I think you know, not that Freo have been amazing, but I think also having someone with a different mindset, he would have different work habits, different, you know he's just gone about his footy differently because he's from a different footy club. So I think he can really add to our midfield and fingers crossed he really, really, really shows up because I think I get worried because there is expectation on him. But at the end of the day, you know, we traded you. So you, you've got to have expectation on him. Well, I think as well as his inside work, I sort of watch a bit, of, watching a bit of Freo during the year. He's also a bit nifty in the forward line where he'll sit, back of the contest on the you know half forward line and Rome which I think we haven't had a lot of those players that at least can do it very well the only one I can think that does it pretty good is Zach Fisher that will always be there but I think Chera adds I think he's very smart football wise which not a lot of players are smart football wise they're just good footballers footballers so it's a bit different well sometimes Some they're, players, smart, they're not good <laughs> Yeah, so that's why I'm hoping. That's I mean that's that's Lockie O'Brien in my opinion. He's smart, but his quality is out a little bit off the mark. Yeah. Uh, six Zach Williams. Obviously, the year I didn't pan out. I think it only he got the criticism only because of what we paid him in the end. I think he was poor, but a lot of people expected you'd get the GWS Zach Williams, which was a way better team than what we had. And he came from a grand final team at the end of the day. So I get in coaching didn't help. But I think he didn't do as bad as people say he did. He wasn't great. He definitely fell away. But I think he'll be better this year. I 100% I agree with you. I think he copped it really, really um, harshly. And I think sometimes he was criticised unfairly because at the end of the day, we weren't a finals team. He played that amazing game that we were, you know, basing him off and paying him off in finals. You know, that's a completely different ballpark. No one really plays how they play in finals in the normal season. So I think he, and he'll want to prove people wrong. He he will want to come out in 2022 and say, no, I am the Zach Williams that you paid for. I am the Zach Williams you all thought I was. But I think we also have to remember he was also at a new club. He's you know, learning new ropes. He's, we also didn't have a very good year. He's just come to a club that is sacking their coach. You know, I think, so I think 2022, he'll be much better, but I definitely agree that he was harshly criticised. On to number seven, Matt Kennedy. Uh, he did get a bit of game time at the end of the season. I've always liked his game for a long time. And I always got a bit annoyed that he never got the game time. I think he's one of those football smart players again that, and I remember at the end of 2019, he got stuck up in the forward line and he'd always he'd always give you something which a lot of other players never did throughout last year, which really frustrated me. And then he got put in there and he made a big impact. So I think starting 22, he goes in there without a doubt. I'm a huge, huge fan of Bam Bam. I think Matt Kennedy is awesome. I think 
I don't know why we weren't playing him. I don't know if something was happening behind the scenes that we didn't know about because I really, every time I opened the teams on a Thursday night or Wednesday night and that he wasn't there, I was so confused because he, in my opinion, was in our best 22 at that time. So I really, really hope he gets some more game time, of course, if he earns it in 2022 because I really like what he adds to our team. Yeah, no more, no more to say about that. That's... I think I think Teed did have a bit to do with it. He could have been injured and no one said anything about it, which, I mean, that's a whole other thing in terms of the club and their injury communication. Uh, that was a bit dodgy at times. But, uh, yeah, he should have a big impact. I hope he doesn't get dropped or I think he has a bigger role than people expect. You don't always need someone who's going to win you the ball, someone who's going to just make plays and opportunities. Number eight, Lockie Fogarty. Uh, he had a pretty good start to the season. He dropped off at the end, which isn't a big concern. It's not like we needed him to, you know, like obviously was never looking great finals-wise. So he was he was prolific at the start. And I think in terms of, you know, no losing bets, not that he's that any bets type, but those small, like, inside, those small forwards that can push up into the midfield create a really hard contest. I remember, I think it was against Geelong, like, one of the first players, he goes up and just pretty, it, it was cool to see such a little guy just put their body on the line. You know, what are your thoughts in terms of an expectation for him? I love Fogarty. I really, really liked him. I was really, really surprised at what he gave to our team. And I think, you know, with him dropping away, I think we have to remember that he was never in, um, like, the best 22 every week at Geelong. So he hasn't had that experience of playing a whole season out. He probably hasn't even played half a season out. So he probably just didn't have that, you know, that fitness to keep him going every week. Um, but I think if he can play a whole season this next year, he'll be great for us because he what he provides his pressure, he just is goes after it, after it, after it, never stops. I think he can add something, like you said, without bets. I think he can really solidify his best 22 if he can stay fit and stay informed for a season. I think I was surprised he actually got into the uh, first 22 to start off with. I thought he was someone you'd be waiting on, but Maybe I just didn't. I don't think I saw enough of him at Geelong to really realise. I don't think no one did. He played quite a few games, but I never really remember him. Yeah. But he did make an impact. So, yeah, one of those blokes that you probably could put straight in. I don't see like I couldn't see anyone coming in out for him. I uh, coming in for him. Sorry. So, yeah, yeah pretty easy. Uh, last two, obviously, Cripps and Mackay. I'll start with Cripps. There's a lot to talk about. Let's just keep it as concise as possible. Yeah. I think Cripple, yeah. I don't want to say he'll be back because that's not fair. Who knows if he'll ever get back to the 2019 Cripper, but I just want him to get to the best version of Patrick Cripps he can be in 2022. And I think Voss will really help him out. I think as supporters, I know we want him to be the 2019 Patrick Cripps, but maybe he'll never be that. Maybe he will never be able to go back to that player he was and the player we all thought he was going to be. But I think he can bounce back. He He's not going to want to have a 2021 season 
But in saying that, I actually don't think he was as poor as people made out in 2021. I think because we were comparing him to 2019 and how good he was in that year and when everyone thought he was going to win the Brownlow, and I think because we're comparing him to his highest standard and not just your average footy player, he gets criticised a lot more than maybe other players do. But I think he definitely needs to bounce back. He needs to go back to his best, whatever his best looks like in 2022. Well, I think with Crips, it's like there will be no 2019 repeat. It's never going to happen again, which I think it's not fair to give him that expectation because 2019 was a, yet again like a an average team. So like any, that's with any team, you've got like LeBron, he carries teams. You know, it doesn't mean you've got a good team around you. Just he carries a team that was not so good around him. I like this year that he changed up his game in terms of not focusing so much on each individual statistic. It was him making an impact for other players. And I liked that. I can't remember what game it was, but he racked up about 23 touches that 19 of them were handballs. And I thought, that's all you need to do. He needs Just play your role. Yeah. I agree. I think he needs to get rid of kicking. And it sounds weird, but I think if you can have very minimal kicks in a game and you can just handle, I think that's his game. I think that was when he was playing his best footy. So I agree 100%. Yeah. Well, it'd be nice to just have it, have him as someone you can throw up forward as well. Mm-hmm. That will just, you've got Harry off, throw Crips up, and you've got someone who will just do his own work because he is big at the end of the day. So you don't need him in the midfield, especially when you have Chera in now. It, that I think that has made, the, you know, I can't think of the words. It's created that pathway for Crips to have that role uh-huh. in the forward line. On to our last one, Harry Mackay. I've got literally nothing to say. Is just do the same as you did. He can't, like, what, what else is, he can't, he'll improve, but that's scary to think that he can improve. The only thing I will say, I don't have much to say about Harry, just do whatever you did in 2021 because that was amazing. But I did notice at the end of the year, I don't know whether it was because of the injuries he was starting to get, but he stopped leading. He was very yeah. standstill. He was waiting for the ball to come to him which wasn't what was making him so good. I think he he's run and he was working with the Speed Project again this this like off-season, so hopefully he's not planning on changing that. But he's run to the ball and his lead was what was making him so good because his other opponents couldn't run with him and then they couldn't, you know, they just weren't good enough for him. So I think he needs to keep that lead up because I definitely noticed at the end of the 2021 season that he was just standing kind of still waiting for the ball to come to him. So that's the only thing I'd say, but just do whatever you did in 2021, H, please, because that was amazing. Yeah, that's all. You can't really say any more about Harry because he he plays his role and he has completely transformed himself. And it's weird. I don't really remember his uh, first couple of years. I just remember like 2020 onwards, which is very odd. No, me too. I yeah. I don't know why. Maybe it was because Charlie Kerno. Yeah, probably Charlie. That yeah. Yeah, took the spotlight off him. But that's our player review, numbers one to ten. Just to finish off the show, a quick AFLW expectation where we finish and finals. What the goal is, and same with AFL, your expectation, the finish, and 
just your overall achievement for both teams. Yeah, cool. So AFLW, they need to make finals and the season is so short, so they need to win early because if you don't win early, there's no way you're making finals and that's what we our problem was this year. I think, you know, grand final would be amazing, but if that happens, who knows? Um, AFL finals, we need to make finals and if we don't, it has to be a really tight season and it has to be because every team is pushing for finals because if we're... If we're ninth, if we're, you know, we need to make finals. So if we don't make finals, I'll be really, really disappointed. Um, so just finals for both teams is what I would love. And lastly, a, I, I've asked this to Terry and Ari so far, a big call for 2022. Can we make a grand final? <laughs> Can we do I something? Wish. I really wish. Can we make a grand final? I'm just going to go for it. Voss is going to take final. the grand final. In 2022. Well, it, that that that's yeah. I think that's the biggest call you can possibly yeah, make. Drink the Kool Aid. Look, if I'd have to give a big call similar, I'd probably say a semi final. I think yeah. that would probably be realistic because, and it's it's funny looking back even at like that 2011 team. They made a semi and they should have made a prelim, but I don't want to go into that. That game still haunts me, but yeah. That team was like, if if they versed this current team on paper, I, I think it would be extremely close. No, but I, I think agree. the competition wasn't as good as it was now. Mm, no, I agree. I think Interesting. I like your big call. Please, Carlton, please. I hope so. I hope so. Well, that concludes today's episode. Thank you, Kira, for joining me. This will be the last one until the new year. Uh, an exciting new year episode with Helena. We'll be re uh, previewing the AFLW season in depth giving a, uh, and a run through of what's to come. Uh, Kira, I'm sure you'll be joining me later on in the season again. So thank you for joining me. Uh, happy holidays to everyone and go the boys. Thank you so much for having me, Nathan. I'd love to be back. Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy New Year.